puck is dropped, and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. Conklin's pass, a shot, they score! Shankly Connor scores! What a stop by Hellebuck! Nikolai Ehlers off the faceoff! Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. This is episode 132. It's a pretty uh, robust number. We've been uh, plugging away. It's quite ro- robust. Here at the old <laughs> podcast <laughs> machine. Vocabulary getting a workout early on. Yes. <laughs> robust. Yes. All right. Uh, joined, as always, by myself, Tyler Esquivel, Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton, and 680 CGOB's Jamie Thomas on the podcast for you this week. And uh, our guest is Morgan Barron, the player acquired in the Andrew Kopp trade. Nice. Uh, the one player that we know of now, because there's some draft picks there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So hopefully we get to meet some of those other guys. Eventually. S- eventually. I'm yes. sure we'll have them on the pod as well. Uh, lots to talk about on the show uh, today. As always, we'll talk about the week that was. Uh, we'll talk about 81 and 88. That's Kyle Connor and Nate Schmidt returning to practice on Monday at Canada Life Centre in preparation for Wednesday's game. Uh, they obviously, everybody knows now, but if you don't, they had the COVID, and they had to sit out the Buffalo, the Toronto, and the LA game. So it's two more days. Kind of a bummer, yeah. Um, you know, it is what it is. That's the world. Uh, Vili Hainala, we're going to talk about him. Adam Lowry, that's a guy who plays on this hockey team that we can <laughs> talk about. Uh, and then we'll close it off after the interview with Mr. Barron. Uh, we'll talk about the week ahead and just the uh, the task and the challenge that lies ahead of the Winnipeg Jets as they push for the postseason. But before we get into everything, the media availability on Monday with Schmidt and more and not Morrissey and Connor. There was some talk of a road trip, and. What was done on said road trip? Now, Nate Schmidt, as most know, is that guy loves to chit-chat and would be a fantastic road trip partner. Excluding those two gentlemen on this team, if you, too, had to take a road trip with a member of the Winnipeg Jets, who would it be? And then what would your choice of entertainment be for said road trip and that person? That's a really complicated question. Um, that's a really good question, actually. Um Part of me wants to say, like, so I golf a lot in the summer. So I would pick, like, honestly, any jet that plays a lot of golf, that would be good. And then, honestly, when it comes to, like, radio and stuff like that or podcasts or whatever, I'm up to, I'm up for listening to anything. Um, I know I've asked guys like Mark Shifley and, and Josh Morrissey about, you know, are you getting, getting the new, like, tailor-made driver that, that's coming out and all that kind of stuff. So I know that... Uh, they're real big into the sport. Kyle Connor obviously is too, but uh, you've t- you've taken him off the table. Yes. Um, so I would, yeah, anybody that I could talk golf with, especially if we're talking going from going the distances that they had to, um, yeah, anything along those lines, I would probably go with. Taylor made not a sponsor, by the way. No, sorry, I just that's just the exact question I asked. I'm giving exact <laughs> blank made clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Put the sponsor's name here, Made Club. Yeah. If you want to be a sponsor, yeah, hey, um, <laughs> reach out. You reach out. That would be great. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'd go Mark Shifley because simply um, because he loves Marvel. So I would that would, uh, I would pass. 
I could pass hours talking about that stuff with him. So and, and have done so before, just uh, not as available to us as it has been in years past because of the COVID era. Yeah. Yes, for me, it'd be Evgeny Svechnikov. Oh, that's fair. So that good. guy is. He is a, he is a unique individual, and honestly, you don't know where it could go in it's terms true. of the, the the tales and the stories. Uh, and I'd probably just throw on a, a podcast, some sort of thought provoking pro- oh. podcast. An and intellectual, then, are you? And then, yes, and then we just keep going. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, those are all. I'm uh, glad we got unique. the important stuff out of the way. Well, Mitch is very wide, broad, so yeah, you know, he could have anybody. Yeah, I don't have really anybody specific. You know, I'm just, you know, everybody's welcome. Yeah, you're not picky, though. You're not Gosh. picky, though. So that's what basically was saying. So if Brownie just said, here, you're driving with blank, you'd be happy. 100%. Yeah. Whereas I'd be like, ah. That's good. <laughs> what, my shife? God. <laughs> okay. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> okay. Hey, that was a nice little. It was. That was fun. Let's do that more. <laughs> uh, we can review. Uh, Mitchell Clinton, uh, the back-to-back road trip, Buffalo and Toronto. Things going the Jets' way in Buffalo, and, and man, oh man, what an exciting shootout. Three for three. Uh, I didn't do my research ahead of time. I don't know the last time. I believe it was the first. That was that, the first. That would be why you couldn't, uh, couldn't find anything on it. Well, um, no, I, I, you missed what I said. I no, said I didn't do my research. I was, you know, trying to cover for you. Though. No, that's fine. I'm fine with admitting it. Um, it's okay. Yeah, no, it was spectacular. Like some And the moves, too. Like Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think every time I've seen him in the shootout, he kind of swings out wide and then cuts into the middle and then basically picks a spot. And worked out for him on this one, beating Craig Anderson. And then Mark Shifley, like the the goal that Shifley scores, I think has to can only be appreciated when you uh, spin the camera behind Shifley and you see the shot that he takes and where it goes in the net and oh, yeah. the corner picking that goes on there. That's it's a sensational shot. So if you haven't seen that replay, you should definitely find that. And then Blake Wheeler with uh, the hands of you could say Kyle Connor. He sent Patrick Kane after the game, uh, right in front of Craig Anderson, and scores a, an absolutely massive goal uh, for the Winnipeg Jets to give them the win. And then the next night, sixteenth game in thirty-one days, facing off against the Toronto Maple Leafs, a team that's uh, battling in the Atlantic division there. And yeah, the Jets got off to a great start, but Blake Wheeler kind of said after the game, like it, it was, you know, they were, they were cooked. They were, you know, the legs were, were kind of gone. They had a big surge a little bit in the, to start the third period, but ultimately the Toronto Maple Leafs earning the seven, three win over the Jets that night. And it's always quite the, the season series between the two teams. Winnipeg won back here uh, a number of months ago, six to three. So, you know, it, you're always going to see offense when it's the the Jets and the Maple Leafs, and that was uh, no exception that night. Uh, tough one for the Winnipeg Jets penalty kill that night just simply because they're going up against the top-ranked power play in the National Hockey League and on the back end of a back-to-back. It's, it's tough, and, you know, Toronto was also on the back end of a back-to-back when they were in Winnipeg, so both teams kind of got the feel of what that was like in that regard. And then the Jets come home to start this three-game homestand you know, I said it was 16 games in 31 days in March. If you add on Saturday's game against uh, against LA, it's 17 and 33. And the Winnipeg Jets, you know, they were in it throughout the the entire contest, but uh, ultimately falling by a score of three to two. And I, I guess you could say that the Kings were exactly as you know as advertised. It was tough to get a lot of uh, quality shots at their net. They really protect the middle of the ice well. As the game went on, the Jets kind of seemed to, to figure it out a little bit. They were getting inside a little bit more often. But, yeah, they just weren't able to get back on even footing uh, with the Los Angeles Kings. They lose Jansen Harkins in that game as well. 
uh, 48 seconds of ice time for him. Uh, he's still being evaluated as we record this podcast at 2.15 p.m. on Monday, uh, but Dave Lauer said he won't play Wednesday against Detroit. So uh, a tough loss up front for the Winnipeg Jets for Jansen Harkins, a guy that seems to be just building more and more confidence as the year goes on, so hopefully he makes a quick recovery. Uh, Jamie, like we talked about off the top, uh, Kyle Connor and Nate Schmidt returned from COVID protocol and they missed the three games, unfortunately, but just what does adding those two, uh, back into the fold mean for the Winnipeg Jets as they try and push for a playoff spot? Well, first off, you get your top point producing defenseman back in the lineup, your top shot blocker, uh, Nate Schmidt is as reliable as it is. Uh, one of the reasons why the Jets were looked to be as a strong playoff contender when he was added in the off season. And, I think you need his veteran presence on the blue line and in tough times like this and certainly in the dressing room. So that was missed over the three games. And then you you add a game-breaker um, in, in Kyle Connor. It's just – you think of all the times that he could have got COVID this year, this this last stretch was probably the, the worst time, um, especially for that game against Toronto. He's just taking that out of the lineup against the Leafs mm-hmm. in a high-scoring game, and, and especially with the power play opportunities. And again on Saturday with the six that the Jets had and, and couldn't find a way to get – a puck past Cal Peterson you think of what that means so he's fresh he's ready to go and um, I just think uh, this is going to make it, things a lot more interesting and I, I, I what a great player he is and I also think of if he misses out on 50 goals this year we're going to look back at these these three games as a, a very frustrating starting point of why that didn't happen because I felt like that was going to a for sure thing to happen now it's a little bit in doubt Yes, uh, obviously we'll we'll watch for that. Yeah. Um, now Nate Schmidt being out of the lineup meant a little bit of a bump in opportunity for Vili Hainala, and that's uh, our next topic of conversation here. Mitchell, uh, what have you seen from the young defenseman? Uh, he was paired with Nate Schmidt uh, mm-hmm. at Monday's practice. Uh, he's got what is it five points in his last six NHL games played. Uh, he was a plus two on Saturday against the Kings. Uh, and his ice time's been up above 15 minutes, scratch 20 against the Buffalo Sabres as well. So um, he's definitely getting more of an opportunity here as of late. Yeah, really almost took the, the words out of my mouth in terms of the opportunity that's in front of him. I mean, anytime you're, you're getting close to 20 or 21 minutes of ice time as he was against Buffalo, that's, that's an indicator of one, you're playing well. Two, you've got the trust of the coaching staff uh, behind you, whether it's Charlie Huddy running the the, the defense or its interim you know head coach Dave Lowry making adjustments as the game goes on but I mean ultimately that just shows the level of uh, the level of trust that I think Billy Hanela is developing as he continues to play I mean he played a couple of NHL games earlier this season um, or he played a number of them but the last two that he played in February 12th and 14th he had picked up assists in those games plays some American Hockey League games, comes back, picks up right where he left off, gets an assist against Arizona, another one against Buffalo, and then he, like you mentioned, gets another one against the Los Angeles Kings on April 2nd. I think with him, it's always been he's always been a guy that can move the puck really well. His great first pass is usually um, something you always hear when it comes to Billy Hainala, and then also uh, his ability to skate and see the ice really well. Now, to do all those things great at the NHL level, you just got to do it a little bit quicker, a little bit faster, and read the read the play a little bit faster. So it takes some getting used to, I would think. And the more regular that you're able to see it, in terms of whether it's you know in-game shifts or just game after game after game, a guy as smart as Vili Hainala at reading the ice and reading the play is going to be able to, to do just that. Now, of course, the challenges for him that he has to learn, and that comes along you know with every game that he plays, is teams are going to play him differently. Some of them are going to go right at him in terms of, uh, you know, 
on the four check and throw some hits and make them adjust to that, or they're going to battle with them in front of the net, try to get that positioning that, you know, Dave Lowry always talks about. They want to, the Jets want to defend well in front of their own net. You know, he's going to have to figure out the, the strategies that work for him. Obviously at the American hockey league level, I'd say he's definitely got it figured out to a, to a degree that he likes, but every day is a chance to improve. Now you come to the national hockey league guys are a little bit bigger, a little bit faster. Everything happens a little bit quicker. So I think for him, it's just a matter of putting himself in those positions and finding ways to, to have success, and he's certainly been able to do that over the last little bit. I thought he played really well against the Los Angeles Kings. And with Nate Schmidt out, he got a little bit of power play time as well, and that's obviously something that he's really good at, You know, being whether it's at the top or in that one-timer position. He's a guy that can make things happen offensively. He found a, a number of seam passes from that uh, that left point kind of through to the other side in that right circle that are – it's some real dangerous uh, opportunities that can come from that from the Winnipeg Jets when those passes are complete, and he has the confidence to make those plays. So a lot of really good things uh, from Billy Hainel over the last little bit. Looking forward to seeing how he can continue to build on that. Uh, underrated shot that young yes. defenseman has. It is a heavy, like when it hits. Well, his first NHL goal, it's a couple seasons ago now, but yeah. like it's, it's the exact thing. You know, he absolutely hammers a slap shot. Uh, in Pittsburgh that I, I can't recall who was in goal at the time. I think but it was it, Murray. I think so. And it just dribbles right through him because he – and Murray got a fair amount on that. Yes. Like, and then, but it Billy wasn't just, just a blast, dribbler. Yeah, Billy blasted it through him. Um, so clearly uh, – and as he gets bigger, stronger, yeah, that's only going to get better. Uh, most of the time when you're talking analysis, we use points mm-hmm. as an indicator of success. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not necessarily the case – with Adam Lowry, uh, I think, gosh, everybody involved with this Winnipeg Jets hockey team and covering it would tell you that Adam Lowry's had a pretty terrific season when it comes to consistency and being a go-to guy night in, night out to do his job, essentially. And he's four goals shy of his career high, which was 15 set back in the 16-17 season. He's got 11 goals now. The shorthanded goals have been, uh, gosh, it seems like for a stretch there, every night he had a chance uh, shorthanded. Uh, Jamie, just what can you say of Adam Lowry's play this season and what that consistency has meant to the Winnipeg Jets, who have had some, uh, I don't want to say issues, but just consistency uh, troubles with injuries and whatnot, and just being able to uh, rearrange things and know that Adam is going to be that reliable piece in that middle spot for you. Yeah, that reliable part is is winning over 50% of his face-offs. He's won 52.6% of his face-offs this year. And a, and a good indication, or it was an unfortunate indication, the game against Toronto, the third line the Jets lean on a lot to with the idea with Mason Appleton to grind on other teams and wear them down as the game wears along. The fact that the Jets had to kill so many penalties in the game against the Leafs took away the effectiveness of that third line because Mason Appleton and Adam Lowry are on the ice killing so much, so many penalties. On top of that, Lowry's on pace for a career high in takeaways. He's over 200 hits again this year. That seems to be a consistent uh, thing with Adam Lowry. And just that solid penalty killer uh, can help you out on the, on the power play, but there's just so many... He's the reason why their penalty kills started to get on a roll there for a, a good stretch of time after such a tough start. But and, and with Adam Lowry, it's just reliable. You know exactly what you're getting every night. He knows what he is in the National Hockey League. He's a third-line center with some penalty killing, fantastic penalty killing abilities and the ability to win more than 50% of his face-offs. So it's just that reliable part that any coach who is with this team knows what he's going to get every night with him. And it's that consistency that I think – 
is something we should admire and appreciate a lot as the people that cover this team and, the, and the, certainly the fans that watch the Jets. Morgan Barron is our guest here on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, he managed to get into the lineup uh, against Toronto, and, and it was kind of funny because uh, I was out in the in the loop at the hotel getting some video of the guys coming onto the bus. There's there's two buses, so it was the first bus. I take the second bus anyway. So I had some time, and as I was heading back upstairs to my room to grab my luggage, uh, Morgan Barron followed me into the elevator introduce myself and I just sort of said like what's the day been like for you and at that time we didn't know he was playing that night uh so he said that his flight was delayed coming out of Winnipeg uh to Toronto because it was at first an emergency recall uh so he was up at 5 30 in the morning so anytime you just get to start that early and then you got to travel on top of that it's tough it's tough it's exhausting and I said to him I said well and I thought he was checking in because there's a later bus, so there would have been about a two-and-a-half-hour window. And I said, well, go go grab yourself a nap. And he got off the elevator or whatever. And then 15 minutes later, he walks on the same bus that you and I are both on. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, huh, that's a little weird. And then lo and behold, he's he's in the lineup and, uh, you know, played played five minutes that first night. But I think that's all they were really looking for out of a, a player getting acclimated into the mm-hmm. lineup. And then seven minutes against the L.A. Kings as well. And... Uh, Lots of stuck out about about this gentleman, and uh, you'll hear from him now. Shop where the players shop. Jetsgear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jetsgear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com. Hi, this is Nate Schmidt, and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Joined here by Morgan Barron on the Ground Control Podcast, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, have you ever done a podcast interview before? I've done a few of them here and there, but nothing too crazy. So. Okay. Uh, so first question for you, just uh, how's the time been in Winnipeg so far uh, the past couple weeks? It's been good. It's been exciting. Um, obviously, things happen pretty quickly when the trade went through. Um, so I was excited to, to land in Winnipeg and just kind of get my bearings. Uh, right off the bat, I met the Moose on the road in Chicago and Rockford. So, um, you know, kind of expedited the process of getting to know those guys there because we spent a little bit of time on the road and then uh since i've just kind of been getting settled in winnipeg and i've gotten the opportunity to get called up and play a few games with the jets so um it's been exciting so far who helps coordinate finding a place to live and just all that other stuff that you know the basic human being needs uh, to function kind yeah. of thing yeah there's i mean there's been a ton of different people who have helped me i mean just starting to get to know everybody here i think um up and down the organization, you know, with the Moose and with the Jets. Um, they've done such a good job of helping me get acclimated. I know Brad Andrews with the Moose was the first person who kind of got me settled in um, and was letting me know where I was going to be staying and, and such. And then, you know, from there, I, I, there's so many people, I can't even name them all, who have who've done a great job. And, and that's the players and the staff, too. I mean, the players have done a great job of um, just making sure I feel comfortable and, and I have everything I need. So I'm very thankful for all that. So your your recall was on an emergency basis, as they are on the paper. But uh, I ran into you in the elevator, and I thought I didn't know you were playing that night. I even said to you, "Have a good nap," and you were probably like, eh, I'm "So I guess what was that day like for you? Your your flight was delayed. You were there at like five, you said you were up at five thirty. Yeah, yeah, it was a really crazy day. Um, when I originally got recalled. Uh, Mo, the coach with uh, the Moose, he said, like, I'm not sure if you're going to be playing or not. Obviously, prepare um, to be ready to go if you are. So that's, I mean, even when I was in uh, Hartford, New York, like, that was always my mentality. You never really know if you're playing when you get called up. But try to make the most of it, most out of it and be ready. So, yeah, I, I woke up at, uh, I think my alarm was set for, like, 4.30 or something like that. And 
<laughs> went to the airport, and then as soon as I got through security and got my bag checked in and everything, um, found out my flight was delayed like four hours. Oh. So I got a little bit of an airport nap, um, and then uh, I caught my flight, and there was a little bit of delay when we got on the ground in Chicago, just getting my gear and stuff. But uh, I got to the hotel at 3.30 in the afternoon in Toronto, and very quick turnaround. I, I know that was uh, the first time I met all the guys on the Jets, so... Um, you know, said my hellos and then went up, got changed and, and turned right back around and headed over to the rink. And, um, yeah, it was exciting, but, um, you know, even under those circumstances, you always want to play, you always want to be in the lineup. So I was grateful I got that opportunity. You come to Winnipeg, obviously, through the trade that sent Andrew Cobb to the uh, New York Rangers. Just what have your conversations been like with the management and the, and the coaches, given that you're new to the organization, a young prospect, obviously mm -hmm. somebody who the Jets wanted uh, right from the get-go yeah when I when I first took the phone calls um, from all the different management pieces here um, I think the main main message was that uh, you know they're excited to have me and they just wanted me to come here and kind of prove prove to them that I can uh, you know I can play at this level and be an effective player in the NHL so um, it was all very positive I know it was reassuring to know you know as much as you may have been traded away from another team it means that there's a team who wanted you and um, you know was willing to give up some pieces to get you so um, you know, I was excited about it. I think I said it a few times now, but it feels like a fresh start for me. Um, and just to be in that locker room, it's really exciting. You've played two games so far with the Winnipeg Jets. Just how do you kind of summarize how, how you've played so far? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think it's been good. I know I, I'm trying to earn the coach's trust every game. I know that's a, a process when you get to a new team and, um, you know, earn, earn more minutes every, every night, every night. So, um, it's been good. Obviously, we've, we've come up short in the two games, which is a little bit disappointing. But I think there's been times when, um, you know, we've, we've really been able to play good hockey. And for me, um, seeing the type of hockey this team likes to play, I think it fits really well with my style of game. Um, you know, so that's getting pucks below the goal line, winning battles, maintaining possession in the offensive zone, things like that. Um, so it's been reassuring for me to kind of see, see that style. And, you know, I, I can see myself fitting in um, for a long time with this team. Uh, you went to Cornell University, Ivy League school. Just what went into that decision to play college hockey? Yeah, well, I, I grew a little bit later um, than a lot of kids around me. So um, being from Halifax, Nova Scotia, the natural route was for people to, to jump in and play in the QMJHL for a couple of years and then either take a crack at pro or, or play Canadian University after that. But, um, you know, I didn't have that opportunity at 16 years old. I wasn't drafted into the league at the time. So... Uh, I kind of started exploring prep school options and eventually wound up at St. Andrews in Ontario and I had a great two years there. And, um, you know, pretty quickly during my first year, uh, my grade 11 year at St. Andrews, I had a few schools kind of recruiting me. And um, as soon as I took my visit to Cornell, I mean, I was, I was really excited about it. The campus is beautiful. The team is great. Um, and, and the coaches really seemed interested in me. So, um, you know, I'm really thankful I made that decision. I love my time there. Um, I was lucky enough to graduate from there and have three good, three years of, of really good hockey where we were a competitive team each year. Um, obviously, we got, got canceled the last year because of COVID, which is a little bit disappointing, but, um, you know, I wouldn't trade all those experiences for anything. Going to an Ivy League school, obviously, education is something that is a huge emphasis mm -hmm. there. And just how important was education for you growing up and, and what kind of student were you? I would imagine you are probably a pretty good one. I did my best. Uh, yeah, <laughs> mom and dad always emphasize that for me. And, um, you know, to, to be able to open those doors to get such a great education, um, you know, through hockey, uh, it's a pretty cool experience. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always grateful for that. Obviously, there's a lot of sacrifices that have to be made um, by my parents and and really everybody in my family and my immediate circle to, to help me achieve that goal. So 
um, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I studied business while I was there, and uh, like I said, I was lucky enough to graduate. So, um, you know, it's a really special chapter in my life, and I'm glad I can kind of play hockey and not have to worry about, uh, you know, school or anything like that after. Your brother Justin was drafted uh, in the first round, uh, so obviously hockey sort of runs in the family. Mm -hmm. Is there an athletic pedigree with your parents, or were they just sort of – are they athletes, or – or did it start with you two? No, they definitely both played a ton of sports growing up. Um, they, I know my dad always has his pictures of him playing hockey, junior hockey back home, and my mom played a ton of sports as well. So um, right from the get-go, I think we were both lucky to kind of have a little bit of natural talent at the start. And, you know, I think more than anything else, they just instilled a really strong work ethic in both of us and, and showing all the sacrifices that they made. And, you know, I, I mean, it's uh, you hear a lot of kids from Canada and, talk about it especially about mom and dad waking up really early to drive you to the rink and you know going straight from the rink to school and all that stuff so uh, we we're very much uh, a part of that generation you wore the uh the c in one of your or how many years at, at cornell were you my there? last year last year. year okay yeah, so just what was it like to to be a leader and then off of that how does being a leader at that level help you prepare for this level where you're kind of starting at the bottom and working yourself up. Does that sort of give you an extra element of maybe maturity or how do you look at that? Yeah, I'd like to think so. Um, you know, I've, I've always kind of had the mentality of, you know, that you need to have leaders at different levels. So, um, you know, even as a freshman at Cornell, you, you, you're not going to be necessarily the most talkative guy in the room. You may not be the one standing up and, and calling guys out and such, but, um, you know, I think there's still different levels of leadership, and, and that could be a simple something as simple as showing maturity at certain times. Um, you know, going out there working hard, blocking a shot, whatever it may be. So, um, I, I kind of got to grow into that role, and I know we had a few different captains that year. There were three of us who wore it, including Jeff Malott, um, who's with the Moose right, right now. So, uh, it was a good experience for me. I think you know you learn a lot about what it takes to be a good leader, and and also what it takes to to um, to be someone who may be a little bit younger on the team, and you kind of see. Um, the guys who react to you differently and such. So I, I think it was a good learning experience for me, and there's, there's tons of lessons I was able to take away from it. It's a bit of a broad question, but I think everybody who is in that dressing room and everybody sort of involved with the team has a love for the game of hockey. Mm -hmm. What What is it about hockey that you love? And obviously you're a smart guy. You could have probably went a few different ways in life. What is it about this game and this sport that keeps you engaged every single day and wanting to do this for the long run? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I think first and foremost is it's competitive. Um, you know, to be in the NHL, you've got to be competitive by nature, and you can see that uh, each and every night. And even in practices and, and stupid little things like playing soccer before the game, I think you can tell how, how competitive every everybody is. So um, that was kind of what got me started in sports in general, I guess. I mean, I played a ton of sports growing up, soccer, basketball, and hockey and lacrosse. So um, that's probably the main thing. And then... From there, you know, I can't really tell you exactly what attracted it to attracted me to it, but um, you know, I think it's something in the essence of, of it. Such a complex game, you know, it's not a game where you can master it very easily. There's so many different aspects to it. Where, you know, every summer I go home and I feel like there's a bucket list of things I can work on. Um, you know, whether it be your skating, your stick handling, your shooting, like there, there's so many different skills you can incorporate into your game and and can make you an effective player in this league and. Um, I think it's even opened my eyes even more now being in the NHL and being around some of these guys. You see how good they are at different things and different aspects of their game. So um, I don't really know what to call it, but there's definitely elements of that of just, you know, the kind of the impossible chase of mastering certain elements. Are you somebody that 
and I hope my, the question gets understood. Are you a thinker when you come to the rink, or is this a place where you walk in and the things that are going on outside of hockey or just in life in general, you know, don't necessarily matter, and you, mm -hmm. you just you're able to sort of free yourself and focus on this one thing, and it's kind of it's good for the mental health in a way. Yeah, I think I am a thinker. Um, sometimes I wish I wasn't so much a thinker. Uh, you know, I think the, the people who are, are able to come to the rink and drop everything and, you know, just be present in that moment, those are oftentimes the best, the best players, the happiest people, um, and so on and so forth. So I think being in the situation I've been in for the last couple of years of kind of being up and down and, um, you know, in and out of the lineup or on different lines, that, that's kind of where the thinking can come into play. So I've worked really hard at that of, you know, just coming into the, when you come into the rink, you know, leaving your phone behind, just kind of blocking everything out and enjoying yourself because at the end of the day, you know, it's a pretty cool experience we get to have here. We get to come to the rink and, um, you know, do what we love to do as our job every single day. So we're really lucky and blessed to do it. And uh, that's kind of the mentality I've tried to carry with me. And, you know, I think it's helped me leave those things behind and just have fun and play hockey. Last one for you. What does Morgan Barron get up to away from the hockey rink? What types <laughs> of things uh, keep you busy in the summer or just uh, when you're not at the rink? Yeah, summer I love to golf. I know me and my brother will play quite a bit back home. Um, so golf's a big one. I love to travel. Um, you know, I try to take at least one trip at the end of every season just to kind of unwind and, and see the world so that's another part of it and um you know with that i think comes like hiking and such so um a bunch of different things you know i love watching movies uh, i love star wars i've seen all the star wars nice. movies and shows so um i guess those are kind of the main things that come to mind right now i know since being in the dressing room a lot of the guys talk about fishing and stuff up here so that's something i'd kind of like to dip my toes into a little bit is uh to get into the winnipeg winters and i know some of the guys talk about ice fishing and stuff so a whole bunch of stuff i'm always trying to learn and, and do new things yeah you came in at the good time because this <laughs> so winter was awful yeah. uh i guess i have to ask then where have you traveled to and do you have something lined up for after the season yeah um well i've just started to come into having a little bit of money to, to travel obviously now having a job <laughs> Probably so helps a yes it does <laughs> uh so last summer i went out to yosemite um for about a week and, and traveled around that area and was able to do some hiking and stuff out there and and this summer i'm hoping to get overseas i know with covid restrictions yep. it was difficult last summer but um you know italy's on my bucket list so that, that's kind of what i've got eyed down and haven't haven't got anything planned too far ahead yet but um, i'd love to make a trip out there morgan thanks so much man awesome thank you winnipeg jets fans did you know that online 50 50 tickets presented by playnow.com are available for all winnipeg jets games that's right whether the jets play on the road or at home you can participate in the game day 50 50 draw the winner will take home half of the jackpot with all proceeds in support of the true north youth foundation remember to buy your tickets on all jets game days at winnipegjets.com slash 50 50 moving right along here the podcast the winnipeg jets taking on the detroit red wings uh this wednesday and then on friday they close out the the work week against the colorado avalanche uh mitch before we get to you to talk about those two games uh it is hellebuck bobblehead night yes <laughs> on wednesday against the detroit red wings uh if you'd like a bobblehead, get down here to Canada Life Center, and there will be one waiting at your seat. They are really cool. I'm sure you folks have seen the little promo video where mm -hmm. he fishes it out of the ice. We actually drilled a hole. In the there is a lake <laughs> under there. There's Many a lake. People don't know this. Yes, and it's filled with fish and bobbleheads. <laughs> yes. At the end of the season, you too will get to fish. <laughs> Do fish some ice fishing at Canada Life Center. Anyway, like Connor true story, not an April Fool's joke. Hmm. Uh, Mitch, 
Yes. The Detroit Red Wings. Uh, get your tickets, by the way. WinnipegJets.com backslash tickets for both games. And games further if you're available. Uh, tell us about the matchups that are coming up. Well, Detroit's a team that's kind of been interesting to me this year just because of the fact, you know, they're clearly still rebuilding, but a lot of the pieces that they have are starting to get to a point in their career where their contributions are a little bit more consistent. I remember the old uh, Paul Maurice saying, you know, you would get a player that would come in, you'd be young, you'd get one out of four, and that, but that one game was would always make you think, like, man, like this, this guy could be something else. And then as they get a little bit older, you get two out of four, three out of four. And then you end up getting to a guy like Blake Wheeler that you pretty much know what you're getting every single night. And the off nights, quote-unquote, are very few and far between. So I think Detroit is starting to kind of see the uh, see things go their way in that department. Obviously, you know, you got guys like, you know, Moritz Sider, Lucas Raymond that are just having spectacular seasons. They're sitting fifth in the Atlantic Division right now at 26, 34, and 9. A negative 71 goal differential, so clearly a team that's allowing some goals. And on the road, they're 9-21-3. So, of course, the Winnipeg Jets, you know, they need wins, and it doesn't really matter who it's against. But you got to look at that game against Detroit and think, you know, that could be a game that they could get back in the win column and, and start getting some some momentum rolling. Because later in the week, you've got the Colorado Avalanche, and that's a team that the Winnipeg Jets have had some struggles with uh, this season so far. I mean, all you have to do is look back at the last meeting where the Jets had a, just a spectacular start going up 3 nothing, and you end up losing that game as well. Uh, Colorado is far and away the uh, the leader in the Western Conference at 49-14-6. They've got 104 points. The next closest team is Minnesota right now with 91, and that includes in the Pacific Division where Calgary's leading the way with 89 points. So Colorado clearly a tough team to go up against some injury issues with, with Colorado, but it's always expected that uh, the players are going to be back in the lineup for the playoffs for Colorado. So every time that they come into Winnipeg, it's always tough, but at the same time that can always bring some of the, your best out when you're playing against a team like that. So I kind of look forward to seeing how the Winnipeg Jets respond to that. And then, you know, you mentioned that's the end of the work week. You do have a back-to-back with Ottawa and Montreal on Sunday and Monday. Clearly a couple of games the Winnipeg Jets would want to get some some wins out of. But one game at a time, as Dave Lowry always says, it's pretty much all you can really do and all you can really control. So all the focus, as you can imagine, will be on Detroit on Wednesday. Exactly. Uh, Jamie, the focus for the Winnipeg Jets is obviously just that next game. Uh, but when you look at the grander picture, and I know they don't do that in mm-hmm. there, um, but that's what we're here for, I guess. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, as we record this on Monday, sit Six points back of that final wild card playoff spot that's occupied by Vegas at the moment. Uh, Dallas holds the next spot in line at 81 points, so five points ahead of the Jets at this very moment, Monday afternoon. Uh, the Stars, as it sits now, have two games in hand on the Jets, but by the time the puck drops on Wednesday, that game in hand will only be down to one. So the opportunity slowly is is creeping ahead for the Jets in terms of getting those games of in hand away from Dallas, uh, which is obviously something you want. Uh, just how do you keep the focus here as as you continue on in search of a playoff spot? Well, Dallas loses last night, and Daryl Ray, their color analyst, consistently said throughout the night they're running out of gas. And Dallas plays 16 games in the month of April. So there are they have some games to make up in there, but you look at that, and we'll look at what's going on outside of what Winnipeg is doing right now. Vegas is starting to play a lot better right now, but they have some 
cap issues coming up here momentarily mm-hmm. with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty getting set to return from LTIR. So that will begin some creative accounting on behalf of the Vegas Golden Knights. So they have that part going on. So you have a little bit of help here and there where you can look for some optimism and the optimism that I believe re- remains inside the dressing room of the Jets watching them at practice today. I mean, you're happy because you see 88 and 81 back out on the ice. That that brings out some optimism. And listening to Schmidt and Connor talk today, there's no quit in the dressing room, so there's a lot of that part there. So it is, I, I believe this week obviously is huge for them because as of Sunday, that's five games and seven nights, and that's where it gets difficult. There's two back-to-backs uh, in there mixed with a game against Seattle on home ice on the uh, next Wednesday. So the schedule is going to get really challenging coming up here. So Jets going to need these few days off to use to their advantage. Detroit, and then hope uh, that you have – I mean, they've always played Colorado much better on home ice than they have yeah. in Denver. That's flat out. That's a fact. So there, there's that as well. But And then I always look at Ottawa. There's something – a return kind of thing is you just can't let the Senators hang around. They're so good at hanging around against the Jets. We saw it 100 million times last year in the Scotia North Division. Um, so it's just – if you win your three games or two of the three or five of six points this week, you're putting yourself in a much better position. So it's it's a challenge, but I believe that group believes they have that opportunity and, and the uh, ability to do that. Well, that concludes the podcast for this week. Uh, pretty exciting week away from the hockey world as it's the Masters week. Yes. Cue music. the piano music. Yes. There it is. Oh, beautiful. Puts you in a really and good the shot. mindset. Yeah. All right. Well, have a great week, everyone. And uh, next time we talk to you, there will be a Masters champion. <laughs> Hopefully, there'll be a few more wins in the Jets' win column. Mm-hmm. We'll talk to you next week. This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com. Proceed, we're able.